after 9-11 happened, this is when I started really getting into my panic attacks. I saw the second plane hit. I saw the buildings go down. I thought life was ending. Uh, I was in Woodside, Queens on Tar Beach at the top of my apartment complex watching this happen. I had a little handheld radio. After the second plane hit, I said, oh, my God, the world's going to war. I thought we were going to war and everything was gone. I ran downstairs, grabbed a bottle of tequila. It's like 930 in the morning. I'm drinking like, you know, a fish. Everybody's crying on top of the roofs in Woodside at the time. And then I hear on the handheld, the Pentagon was hit. Okay. Yep. We're dead. That's it. We're dead. Where's the bomb? I'm looking up. I'm like, where's the bomb? It's, it's got to be coming soon. My experience of 9-11 really put me in a state of despair and loads of PTSD. I didn't want to ride the subway because all of the subways were stopped whenever everything happened. And I just remember watching the elevated the seven paused on the elevated platform saying, oh, my God, if I was in there, because they were in there for a long time. If I was in there, what would I be doing right now? I would be freaking out. And so the first time I rode the subway after 9-11, I got a panic attack um, from the Queensboro Plaza going into the first stop of Manhattan. So all the way under the river, which can be a very long time when you have a panic attack. And so I got to work the first day I had a panic attack. I was feeling very ill. I did not understand that I was having a panic attack, but having one all day long, I laid down. It wasn't going away. I went home and finally, like that, it just disappeared. Well, that's an anomaly. That's very weird. So the next day I get back on the subway, go under the river. I start having a panic attack again. And, you know, I like to do the crossword and pen. And so my hands are sticking to the paper. I'm sweating. I feel like I need to shit. I need to vomit. There's just, I'm, I'm thinking everybody knows that I'm going out of my mind. So I'm looking around. And, and for me, when I'm in panic attack, my eyes dart around a lot because I'm trying to assess the situation. And um, same thing happened. Same thing happened the next day and the next day. So I ended up quitting my job because I thought it was the job that was creating stress. And then I ended up moving out of Woodside, Queens onto Long Island because I thought the city was causing me stress. And then I stopped going out of the house because I thought being in public was causing me stress. And then I stopped getting out of bed because life was giving me stress. So I was basically in my bed for a month. And I remember my ex-boyfriend coming in and saying, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? You can't even do the dishes? And now you're not even working. What is wrong with you? And I looked at him. I said, I have no idea. Something's really wrong. So I ended up calling three or four psychiatrists. And I would get busy tones, leave messages, and they wouldn't call back. Or, you know, they weren't taking new patients. So I felt really helpless, really helpless. I had nothing else. And I just wanted the pain to stop. I was having constant panic attacks for now a month. So I said, fuck it. I grabbed the bottle of pain pills. I went into my bathroom and I said, okay, I've got one more minute left. And the scary thing at that moment is I had absolutely no fear of doing it. When they say that people who want to commit suicide talk about it, well, the people that don't want to commit suicide talk about it. They're really just looking for help. It's true. The people that really want to do it are not going to say a fucking thing. And so I sat there in my bathroom and I'm like, okay, I got a minute left. 
what am I going to do in this minute? I'm going to, I'm going to take in everything that I can in this last minute of my life because this is the last time I'm ever going to see it ever again. It's the last time I'm going to take a breath. So I took a deep breath and I can feel the air coming into my lungs. I was like, wow, that's a new feeling. I never recognize what it actually feels like to draw a breath. Wow, you know what? These these tiles are really cold. I didn't realize how cold they were. And I would run my hand over them and feel the smoothness of the tile. It was just like, wow, these are these are nice. It's amazing to actually feel something with your hands and with your skin, just the touch of something. I never focused on it so much. And I would smell the smells in my bathroom. I was like, wow, I thought I got rid of that air freshener a long time. This smells really nice. It smells like flowers. And I would break it down. There's flowers. I think there's a little spice in there. And I'd try to figure out what the spice was. And then a minute passed. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do one more minute. Let me just take one more minute. And I remember turning on my faucet and sticking my hand under the water and feeling the water go around my hands and my fingers and just the coolness of the water in the way that it flowed over my hands. That's what I was staring at. Like, wow, I'll never see water flow over my hands again. And meanwhile, understanding that I just had that one second to live in. So that one minute became two, the two became five, five became 15, 15 an hour. After three hours, I came out of my bathroom. I said, well, if I can take myself out at any time in my life, then I can do it later. Let me just enjoy what I have now, whatever that is. But right now, not tomorrow, not in five minutes, not yesterday, not 10 minutes ago, right now. And so I just remember for that entire day, I felt the floor beneath me and what my feet felt like on the floor. I remember what my skin felt like. I remembered everything, just crawling into my sheets and feeling the warmth and security. I just focused on that. And once I started realizing that I have been living my life not present to any of these things and certainly not grateful for any of them, life switched around. I understood that it was meaningless, everything that we worry about, everything that we focus on. It's absolute bullshit. And so I started enjoying the way that my milk would pour into my coffee in the morning and have that little swirl. I'll never see that swirl again. It will never appear. How cool was it that I got to experience it? So when you have nothing, when you have nothing is really where you find that gratefulness. And if you're even luckier than that, then you'll find it in your everyday without having something like that happen to you. Hi, I'm Michael C. Bryan. And I'm Jennifer Ho. We help people understand the purpose of their pain. We've been through a lot and we've come out the other side. We talk about everything and anything. Especially what other people are afraid to talk about. Life is an invitation to do whatever the fuck you want. And it's definitely time to look at how we're playing the game. We held ourselves back for years. But now we're mostly past all of that shit. 
mostly. Welcome Welcome to Stripped. Gratitude is a huge part of my superhero. Going back to understanding that you can be counted out at any minute. You can take yourself out at any minute. Right? All the stress that you're... And everybody knows that. Everybody knows at any minute you could. You could be taken out, whether by yourself or somebody else. In that case, does it really matter? And in that case, couldn't I just go another inch? Is another inch possible? When you have nothing to lose because you're still living, and that's how I see it, if you're still living, you really have nothing to lose. Yes, you could lose your life, but while you're alive, you've got nothing left to lose. You just don't. So that's why when I'm going through this event right now in my life, I can say to myself, let me go one more inch. Just one more. I can bow out whenever I want, but let me go one more inch. And that conjures up that superhero that that creates the conversation and that question in me, what are you pretending not to know? It's all part of that. It's all part of that and that knowing. So when you release yourself from attachments to everything, because that's really what death is, you are not attaching to anything. You're actually separating from life itself. That's what death is, right? You can move about the cabin however you wish. (laughs) You really can. Fear, like right now, I feel no fear. Because it doesn't matter right now. Right now, I get to make it through the next moment. That's it. And at the same time, I'm grateful to be sitting here. How cool is this? And we've talked about this before, Michael, about, you know, how I always bring up deathbed moments. But for me, it's really been helpful to think in those regards of deathbed. Does this really fucking matter? Deathbed Moments, the new podcast. (laughs) It's a happy-go-lucky podcast. Comedy, music, joy, happiness. It is. My father says that I'm so (laughs) morbid. I said, Dad, it's not morbid, it's freedom. I don't think it's morbid. I think a lot of people relate to what you said. Yeah. I do think, though, that the choices discussion you had earlier pales in comparison to this part of you. So I understand the choices discussion, but I find this to be where what you do is is interesting. You know, I think that's more about the deeper stuff for you that you share with people that I think one of the reasons you're here is to share that stuff. So while I understand the other choices stuff, this kind of transcends all that for me. Hmm. You know what I mean? I do. It's still, the choices for me are still vital because, again, if you if you hear the way I talk, I, I could choose to bow out in any moment. Choice is a very big piece for me. And so it's... There's, it, a, there's a complexity there in, in, in everything you just started with, the choices I make, the touching of the tiles, the experience. It's a lot of... Uh, movement and all that that I find uh, fascinating. Um, for for me personally here, um, listening to you, uh, I find the, the movement of the experience, there's the word again, uh, fascinating. Uh, you know, I find that, uh, and I also understand also that the other framework is, is you know, um, pragmatic and useful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean much. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I really think it's a, I mean, uh, for me at least, the way in which I've made sense of all this has been uh, without thought. For me, that's been my big release, you know. And for me, it's been, you know, how do I feel? That's for me, that's really where am I emotionally, you know. And the, th- the choice comes from that for me. So, yes, there is something that I live in accordance with, which is this thing that I can't even find words for. And for me, the I am is being that now in this moment and living a life that is a constant, continual moment and then looking at something and feeling gratitude for what I have. So that that gratitude thing is like a a way of being. Mm -hmm. It's continual. And it's also something that I'm constantly, am I in my head or am I here? That's that's my thing. That's my, if there is such a thought process to bring me, am I in my head or here? Am I head or here? And uh, when I'm not in my head, I find the answers come for the choices that you consciously discuss. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, uh, again, I know, <laughs> I always am challenged in these environments because I know everyone wants a sound bite. They want a five-minute bit. And they mm-hmm. want a 10-minute thing. And I, I don't think that way. So I sit here thinking, it's so complex what I understand it. At the same time, it doesn't matter. It's not that hard. But it is also complex. So this season finale has been very deep in terms of uh, um, what this all really <laughs> means <laughs> and how you go about it. You know, it's complex. But I think that's important because... There's a there's a mitigation of, of life and human experience that it can be distilled down into a into a soundbite. It can't. It's a mystery. Yeah, and there is no answer. No I mean, answer at, is at the, the answer. End, so this is our season finale. Yeah, right? no answer is the answer. And so we've really <laughs> gone through all of these episodes, and the answer is there is no answer. Your goals, the goals that you have today, may not be your goals tomorrow, and they're at the end meaningless. People who go into retirement all the time, they say, wow, nobody knows what career they've had. Ask somebody over the age of 70. Do you ever ask them what career they had? Rarely. But they spent decades in that career. They spent decades creating these goals. But nobody really asks them about it. At the end, does it really matter how big you got, how much money you had in your bank account? Well, we talk about the I am. So it's like, I mean, how how do you feel that? Like for me, it's always how do you how do you feel about where you are at this moment, standing here listening to this on the train, listening to this in your car, listening to this in your toilet, listening to this while your kids are playing. How do you are you are you really enjoying your life right now? And you talked about the end of the day stuff. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, what I tend to do is I tend to light a light candle before I go to bed, and I think about when I had a moment where I connected with somebody during the day, just one person where I connected with them for a second, and I saw them. And we talked. I like to talk to people in different places. Yesterday, I met this guy. I wanted some sunflowers in my house. So I got some sunflowers. And I went, Americano Lopez has this shop on 36 between 7th and Broadway. And we went in there and he told me about he's from Guatemala. And his mother owned this florist shop in the woods. And how he liked being in here and how people used to come into him all the time and ask him about, you know, why does he work in a flower shop when he has such potential, they said. And he said, this is my potential. I enjoy this. I get to work with flowers. They're fascinating. I'm having this discussion with you. And I thought last night, I, before I went to bed, I thought about his extremely kind eyes and how he touched my hand numerous times and said, you know, 
this is really nice. And this morning when I woke up, I, I looked at the sunflowers after meditation and I just felt this gratitude for the flowers, for him, for that moment. And it filled me. And I let that feeling fill me and I let it consume me. And I imagined it moving through my feet, my hands, my eyes. I just felt it consume me. And then I walked out of the house and, and this is where I get woohoo. I thought, okay, I want a song that fills me up like this song. And I opened up YouTube music and this song that, that I was thinking of earlier popped up and I thought, oh, this is really fun. So for me, when the lining up of those things occur from that feeling of gratitude, and I'm on the train and I was grateful for everybody. And every encounter on the train was was a trip. It was fun. Yeah, the the quickest way that I get to gratitude, and that was a great segue into that, was it's really going back to that tile moment. I can stop and I can say, okay, I, I used to practice this after I figured out, you know, let's count the tiles and let's look at the water and let's, you know, I, when I realized that in such the, the simplest form, mm -hmm. then I could look at the doorknob in my house and I would take a journey with that doorknob and say, wow, <laughs> it's true. It's that awesome. doorknob yeah. was created yeah. by a company. Yeah. Somebody busted their ass to create that company and the workers that made that doorknob are feeding their families with the money they make from that. How much time did it take for them to make that doorknob? How much knowledge did they need to have? How is the company operating to be able to do this? What materials are they bringing together? If you think about the enormous amount of people it takes to make a fucking doorknob, you start to look at your doorknobs a little differently in the house. And you actually start to get grateful because you didn't have to make it. If I had to make it, I would have a stick and a hole, right? But somebody sat down, many people sat down and created the material just to make it and then to make it and then the company to make it and the shippers to ship it and the store to have. And that's another company. You think of all these hands that have been on your doorknob. With the, <laughs> that, <laughs> with Sorry. The, Sorry, that was way too easy. Sorry. <laughs> Seriously. But with the, with the thousands and thousands of hours it took to get that doorknob onto your door, <laughs> then you really start thinking of things differently when you think about the electricity. Do that with your clothing. If you're sitting there and you're listening right now to this and you're you're wearing clothes, maybe. <laughs> think about what it took <laughs> to we, we asked you to listen right. to us naked. <laughs> <laughs> that was the inner producer. He's like he's like we do encourage you to watch it naked. You know, start thinking about what it took to make those clothes and those materials. And the stores that, and then you going to get them, and then how grateful you are to, to be wearing them right now. Yes, you paid money. Thank God you had money. How grateful are you to have that money? And, and I'm going to add a process to this for everybody because we do like processes before we end our beautiful journey here and go into season two. For me, again, I know I'm kind of a broken record on this, but the non-thought presence before the gratitude is always what works for me. So like I sit here and I look at Ian and I love this man very much and I stop for a minute and there I feel it, this love for him. And then I'm like, you're awesome. And it, it's that beat, non-thought, appreciation. And then I look over at Jen, who I just can't even get enough of and I stop and I can't even deal. I just want to crawl on her right now. And I think 
we're a world that doesn't trust stillness. And I think it's really important that we just take a moment to be still, let the gratitude come, and then look at this thing that we're so grateful for and just let that be an organic, natural thing. Hello, listeners. Jennifer and Michael here. We are so grateful to those of you who call in to share your stories with us. But for those of you who are maybe a little too shy, did you know you can email us too? That's strippedthepodcast at gmail.com. Share your stories, share your thoughts and feelings. We'd love to hear from you. Also, you can tweet us at at strippedthepod and follow us on Instagram at strippedthepodcast. Thanks. Back to the show. Probably back when I was 15 was the last time that I can remember actually recently, but 15 was the last time in a long time that I can remember saying, how can I handle all this trauma? How can I handle all this stress? I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. And at one point, something clicked in me and I'm like, I've got to live through this. I have to survive. What was the something that clicked? It was it was a moment of nothingness. But it was did, that blank you, slate. I had nothing to? else to lose. I had nothing else to lose. And once I realized I had nothing else to lose, then I had everything to gain. And so that was the click. That was really the click. Once you get to that bottom, that rock bottom of nothing else, then you really can create anything in nothing, right? And so in that moment is when I say, okay, I can do this, even if it's a micro step. Whatever the micro step is, I can get out of bed. I can go take a shower. I can get on the phone with a friend. I can do these little micro steps. And every time I would do that, I'd say, okay, that's good. Now what's the next step? Okay, now what's the next step? Because what I was trying to do was eat an elephant at once. And so when you're eating an elephant at once, you lose that I am because you're trying to shove all the things that you need to do in first. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think coming from the state of being first in order to do something and then to have something is a much different way to look at this aspect, right? I have to be um, loving to myself and stop with the shame, right? So I'm going to love on myself. When I love on myself, I will get out of bed. I will take a shower. I'll call a friend, right? I'm going to be tenacious. I'm going to do those things and think outside of my box so that I can get out of this situation, which is how I got to New York. And so incrementally, I walked out of that or I stepped out of it. Recently, with the shit that's been going down, it's, you know, I, I've had the question and it's so funny that I, not even funny, it's curious to me that I am bypassing the fact that I'm going through something right now and I'm like, wow. Yeah, I have no doubts. No, actually, right now I have doubts. I do. So can you talk about that for a second? Because um, as much as you're willing to, my love, because um, the, yes, and I love you for this, because the depth that we're talking about, so anybody who's listening, life is not, and we are taught now with the self-help community that life is this incredibly joyous, wonderful thing you're always supposed to be feeling. And life is an incredible challenge sometimes. And the surrendering to the challenge, the finding the strength in the challenge, like right now, this is, this is difficult for Jen because we all fight against the challenges in life. Nobody is perfect. 
we are supposed to be messy. That's the design. And there is this expectation, the self-help community and these people that, oh, just do this and that and just get this mindset and think this way. It doesn't work like that. So, so talk about that for just a second because the deepening of the work, the integrity, the authenticity of being is a complex matter. It's not just a simple process. It's not me trying to show up because this is how I should be, right? It's more that I completely skip over it because I'm in such a space of needing to take care of everything. So I don't... That must be exhausting for you. Oh, my God. Exhausting isn't even the word. That's what I mean. Talk about that for a second, sweetheart. Because you are one of the most courageous, extraordinary, strong, beautiful, vulnerable, dearest people I've ever met. From the moment I met you, I saw this beautiful, strong fragility that I just loved. And it's why people love you. And that's what you give to the world. So how do you keep going in the midst of this thing which is happening now, even when sometimes it feels, what's the point? I, you know, I don't have a what's the point. I will say that. But what I do have is a tremendous amount of stress and feeling like I'm carrying a lot of people at this moment. And at this point, there's a superhero nugget inside of me that I will go to. And I know that's there, right? And so, like I said the last time, you know, I have those hours where I will completely let myself go and I will bury my head and do whatever I need to do. But in moments of just what happened right now, it I find it interesting that I cut that piece out conveniently that I'm going through something now. And why so, don't you integrate that into what you're doing? I am, actually. As soon as I as soon as I was aware that I was not paying attention to that piece is and you guys don't see this because you're listening, but I just started crying. Like ugly crying. And beautiful it, crying. <laughs> of course she's absolutely okay fucking gorgeous my, right now. I'm okay with my <laughs> ugly crying. But you know, it's it, it was another moment of me having a, a uh, it was like a light bulb moment where I got to sit there and say, okay, this is also what I do. So how can I really be in that and be okay with that? And so, yes, I do feel like I'm carrying the weight of the world. I There is a lot of stress on me right now. Um, there's a lot of people that need me. What's the feeling of the superhero nugget? It feel it's like? going back to that trust and knowing that it's all going to be okay. And you can hear it in my voice, right? That's exactly right. That's I'm exactly like, right. Let me tap Your whole body's changing. Hero. But what's it feel like? Can you find the words for the emotion? What's the emotion? The feeling is freedom, mm-hmm. strength, mm-hmm. trusting, understanding, loving myself. Maybe excitement? Ex- I wouldn't say excitement. It's more just trusting myself. Like uh, it's, so it's going to be okay. Feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Feeling safe. Yeah, and th- that's, that's massive for us. I think. Yes, mm-hmm. feeling safe, especially whenever you're dealing with you know any kind of trauma. Feeling safe is usually my number one goal. It's. I think it's everyone's true desire is to feel safe. And I don't think we all understand that that's really at the undercurrent of what causes most of us to be afraid and neurotic 
and do things that we'd prefer not to do. We don't feel safe. But we're also looking for safety outside of ourselves. Which is never going to happen. Never, ever going to happen. <laughs> and so in talking about that, there's a lot of safety in knowing that also because you know that safety is coming from you. The loving is coming from, from you, for you. Right? Yeah, so it's that, that's a knowing thing. It, it is internal. It, it's an internal resilience. So when you... So nobody, you can't see this, you guys, but when she said uh, superhero nugget, she lowered her hand and, and went to just above her belly. So th- there's a thing within us that we feel the emotion is not so much in our in our heart and our chest, but it's in our gut. It's that intuitive. So the body is a example of where the emotion is. So, you know, when we know where to say, where can I trust the emotion? If you feel the emotion in that part of your body that freedom, that safety, that warmth, then you know there it is. And that I think that's what we can trust. I know that's what I've learned to trust. And watching you trust that and then shift like clouds in the sky, your emotional state in front of me, it's that returning to that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're seeing it in real time, which is funny. And yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's being able to conjure up whatever that piece is that you need in that Conjure, moment. good word. Very good word. Yeah, that's, I like the word conjure a lot. And so that's what's kept me going. How often do you feel you're in control of that conjuring? I would say most of the time. I can't say 100% of the time because I don't know. I can't can't bring it forward. But I know that it's there. So that's always my safety net. So I would would contradict you a bit lovingly and say, you do do know it. You do consciously do it. So what you do is you just, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I definitely consciously do it. Which is awesome because that's all you can trust. Yes. I don't know that 100% of the time because I think the question was, do you have more or less access to that all the time? You do. I do. I definitely, I do, which has me plugging along the way that I am and then it's working. Eventually I'll get out of whatever this is. Time is going to pass. Which is hysterically, you're never in anything. It's a mind construct. If you return back to that feeling in that inner state of safety, freedom, release, then what this external, endless, challenging environment is asking of you will just be what it is. And then you can focus and do it from that state. So that is the other piece. Mm-hmm. Is just allowing <laughs> what is to be yes. what yes. it is. Yes, yes, yes. But noticing and how wonderful it is that the egoic sense does not want to do that because then it loses its power. And I find that fascinating because what happens is when we disempower the egoic desire, the ego's desire to be alive and exist and eat, <laughs> when I think of it as eating, when we starve the ego, which I'm a big fan of, starving the ego, then it starts to have a tantrum tantrum and goes into a state of paralysis. And that's a fascinating state to be in. But to not live from that state and instead from that beautiful superhero nugget emotional state and then say, okay, so this is what is. The ego's like, this is what is. What can I do now? So when is that occurred with you because now i'm i'm intrigued because mm. <laughs> i you, it sounds like you're pulling from reference and so i wanted to kind of hear what that was yeah i'm pulling from a, a curious place because you know i talk with a lot of people privately about how they're trying to and, and you know for a long time i tried to be this I, I didn't know what to call this thing that i'm doing now which is you know i heard these words business coach success coach all these things and I never could align with it because it, it didn't bring me the complexity or the answers I was looking for. And then I realized really what I'm interested in is really 
what is the reason for the difficulties in life? What, what are the reasons for the challenges? What, so when we, I hear I am, I, I didn't want to hear the words anymore. I was, I, I read too much. I've studied with too much. I read, I wanted to experience it. So I'm like, if this blissful state that I keep hearing about is something that we're all supposed to be experiencing, I want to experience that blissful state without needing anything to change. So if the truth of the matter is, like you just said, you already, when you ask for this thing, then it comes to you. I can't say that I'm in a pure state where I see the evidence of that, but what I do experience is the I am, the the trust of that and the feeling state of knowing that you already internally have what it is that you're looking for and that the addiction, the the thing right now that's happening with us is that we still think that the externals are going to bring us that state of equilibrium, balance, and peace. While at the same time, they make life nicer. It's like a, a woman said to me recently, she met Tony Robbins, and I say this because, you know, I'm intrigued with this, and she said, so is making money, achieving things, the external stuff, which is what all these people talk about and have these books about, how to build an online course and how to build wealth and how to smash your goals and how to, you know, and they're all making New York Times bestsellers, you know. So I don't, I look at these things and I think, okay, so Tony Robbins said, well, money's not the answer, but it's nice because you can buy your mother a house. And I have friends of mine who have a lot of money and they bought their parents' houses, but they're also, you know, battling incredible, that inner emptiness thing, that sort of, you know, where's the bigger picture thing? Like, why am what, 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 I want that emotional state of peace and equilibrium. So the complexities of I am, the understanding of consciousness, that's what I'm intrigued with. So for me, you know, I, I used to meet with people and I, I could sense pretty quickly their thing. And then I found that I was telling them what I was sensing and they were resenting me and they were like, I didn't ask you for that. So why are you saying that? I'm like, oh, there's my ego in the back door. Then I realized I had a expectation of this world that it had to be a certain way that uh, I was an idealist. And I didn't realize that the idealism was causing me to come across as a know-it-all. So my ego was at the forefront, right? I thought, okay, so that's not working. So what is it that I'm resisting? And what I was resisting was accepting the beauty of what is in the moment. And that when I finally understood that life is designed, the DNA, the fabric of life is it's supposed to be challenging. It's mm -hmm. supposed to be. That's the design. It's supposed to kick your ass. And there's this movement, which is what I realized finally I couldn't align with. Like while we're supposed to be the light in the world, and gratitude is actually a, a, a feeling, an experience. It's not a thought or a mindset. I don't like the word mindset. I don't know what that means anymore. But the gratitude feeling is a, a moving thing within you that you feel an energetic thing. Once I understood that, then I thought, okay, so if that's why I want what I want, then why don't I spend my life focusing on feeling that predominantly. But how can I do that sitting on my couch in my living room? And that's what I was intrigued with. So when I would work with people, the mind, the attention, the mind construct. So when everyone's saying, work with thought processes, understand what your beliefs are, 
Once you understand your beliefs, that's what's holding you back. Once I just thought that was just so CBT basic. Government's doing whatever. People are shitty. Yep. <laughs> right? How does that inform how I am going to be in any situation? Well, that's what I mean. It, it doesn't. You just are, you be, you are, you be. And then the doing of it, the action that you want to take to build a new thing comes out of that state of being. It's not just doing it. That's, that's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. The be, do, have, right? Because that's how I'm taking it. You be X, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can do Y and you can have Z. But I think a lot people of are us doing operate, to be, and that's not the way it well, works. Well, a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of us say, in order to have a house, I need to do a great job, and I need to then then I'll be happy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's quite the opposite, right? the The happiness doesn't necessarily occur at the end. It's not as a result of the house. Um, you know, you get to find that within yourself first, and then you can do, when you're happy, you're going to attract an amazing job that's going to allow you to have the house. Say that again. When you can conjure up that happiness inside of you. You're yeah, you gonna, feel it predominantly. Yes, you feel it predominantly. Then you can show up at this job interview all happy and grateful and everything, and mm -hmm. you can have that great paying job, do that great paying job mm -hmm. to have the house that you've been looking for. Right, but what I think what most of us are, are not sometimes, I know, so for me, it's been wanting all this external recognition, validation, these things to happen noticing that I was trying too hard to figure out them and they weren't happening. So then I was like, so if the idea is that I already have everything that I want, so we talk about I am, I already am everything I want to be. I was like, I don't feel that. So I'm not feeling it, right? And, and if I'm not feeling it, then if I keep chasing these externals to create that, it's just going to create a loop. So let me try to find a way to be and, and, and find that feeling internally, that experience, that predominant feeling without a thought process, but a present moment thing, right? And that, that, when that, that was something I could anchor myself in without thought and be really present and just allow what, and this, is, this sounds crazy, I know, but that feeling that you always hear about, about universal intelligence, whatever it is, kind of like, I'm not what it's about, me, Michael, I, I'm not the point. There's something trying to express itself through me. There's something trying to come through me. My job is to let it through. So I look at myself as a sieve in a way. And so that... Yeah, but even in that moment, so I'm going to cut you off and challenge you just a little bit. Even in that moment, <clears> Michael <throat> still gets to be... Because listen, if you don't have the sieve, right? If the sieve I isn't am, a sieve... the body is the you sieve. You can't have anything filtered through you. There is a... What do you mean have anything filtered through you? So you said whatever it is, is Not, being well, filtered through me like a sieve. Yeah, right? there's something trying to express itself. There's a creative energy. There's a universal intelligence. There's there's a non-visible thing trying to express itself through me. And my job is to let it come through. So that, But that conduit, no matter if it's a sieve or Michael, still gets to be something in that. Right. It's there, there's not a non-existence of well, Michael this, in there. My physical body is not me. It's just what the essence of the state of me, the beingness, what the soul, whatever you want to call it, is in. But I'm not my physical body. 
You're not your physical body. Yeah. But I'm not talking to Michael as your physical body. Yeah. It could be whatever you want to call it, your soul, your mind construct, your thoughts, whatever well, makes up kind of like sure, but... it does, but it yeah. pulls in everything that is making up Michael because Michael is really... See, I don't think it pulls in. I think it is allowing. So what I think it is, is when I'm not in a thought mind construct process and I'm not in my mind... And I just allow that thing to express through me. Then it comes through me in ways that I don't understand, but it, it's there. And it comes out and then it's expressed and it's pure. But if the, if the attention is on the mind and the mind trying to figure out how to allow that, then that actually obstructs it in my experience Okay, for me. great. So this goes back to something you said about 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said, I haven't had that experience to trust it. No, I, I have had that experience, but but my thing is it hasn't been as consistent and, and trusting as I would like it to be. And I think... I, I'm, I'm here. I yeah. heard you completely. And I admire you that you have it more than I seem to. What? Yeah. So I'm merely asking, do you need to have the experience in order for you to trust it? Yes, I think for me, the experience is so correct and sharpening. The experience and the emotional state is so clear and opens up something in me that's beyond words that yes. So for me, the experience is a visceral, primal, emotional experience. So you're attached to having the experience before you trust. And it's really, and and that is sometimes I... Because it's the emotional experience because these things to me are all emotional. Mm -hmm. So to say trust without understanding for me what the emotion of trust is trust is uh feeling well feeling feeling complete feeling um protected feeling uh present so how do you not feel safe protected and present when i listen to my mind because without listening to my mind and in state a state of presence i feel it but when i listen to my mind which is where the panic attacks and the depression for many, many years came from, the worries, the concerns. When I listen to my mind construct and take my, because my mind for me in my experience has always been the enemy. It's the nemesis. Except when, and I understand this, when I, and this is these worlds I have a hard time sort of understanding, connecting with as much, work with thought processes to create belief systems. Make sure you think these thoughts. But I think mantras and affirmations beyond simplistic you know, uh, gratitude after presence. So in other words, looking at something without words and then feeling the gratitude for it without saying these words, these mantras, these sayings. I understand that thought process thing that's very common now, but I think there's something beyond that. I think there's a nonverbal, non-thought process experience of presence and consciousness that simply is. So the I am is I already am that thing. So the experience of this, that's what I'm trying to figure out for me. And when I talk with people, we try to have in that moment such a connection, I get them out of their head and suddenly they're just in presence and they receive this thing and it all comes like a download. And so that's what I'm getting back to, right? Mm -hmm. So you already are these things. I know you already are these things. I know Ian is already all these things. I know people walking around in the world already have it. Yeah. Well, we all have it. Yeah, of course. They we are the thing. It. We are the thing. Right. No, but really. 
Yeah. Not just saying it because it sounds good. They really, really do. Mm -hmm. And so where I think a lot of people get stuck is that they feel the need and are very attached to the experience of it. Once you are those things and you really get that you are those things, then experiences will come. This is going back to the be, do, and have. Right? I'm not talking experiences, physical things. I'm talking about experience the emotional in experience. in any way. In any way. But I think that's different. If you're talking are. physical experience by external physical experience versus an emotional experience. So when I use the word experience, maybe we're getting stuck on semantics. No, I'm, I'm right with you. Even experiencing it emotionally, right? I'm saying any type of experience. But how can you separate... I am without knowing that it's an emotional experience of a resounding, a connection with that state, because that state is an emotional experience. Because at some point in your life is the first time you've ever had an emotional experience to something, right? You've always had that first, whether it's you being sad or grateful or whatever those feelings are that you have, there is at some point in your life you had a first, and just because you haven't accessed that first emotional experience doesn't mean that it's not there, but also trusting that it is there, and the experience will come, right? You were getting stuck on the experience of having, we're, we're getting stuck on the emotional experience of understanding that you are that thing already. So you need to see it or aka feel it in order for you to understand that you are it is what I'm hearing, as opposed to knowing that you already are without having to experience that emotional experience about it. And everybody, thank you for joining us for season one of Stripped. We'll see you next season. Yes, and for everybody who has direct messaged us, commented, you know who you are. You have filled our hearts beyond words, and we really genuinely would not be here without your involvement, and we are so, so deeply grateful for you. So thank you so much in your busy lives for taking the time to listen to what we hopefully has been enriching and beneficial in your life, and, and I'm just going to say it now. Without Ian, this would not be the structure. He's an amazing man. Mariana is a force of nature that I am always startled by. And Jen is one of the most spectacular individuals I have ever had the great fortune in this lifetime to meet. So I'm very grateful that I'm given the opportunity to be in your presence and create. So thank you and I love you all very much. Hey, so we know there was a lot of information in this last episode. So if you'd like to reach out to us, we're at stripthepodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail about what's going on in your life, 201-685-0828. Stripped is co-hosted by Jennifer Ho and Michael C. Bryan. It is co-created by Michael C. Bryan, Jennifer Ho, and Ian Hamilton. It is produced by Ian Hamilton and Mariana Trevino. It is recorded and edited by Rich Cerbini at Hangar Studios in New York City. 